November 29th, 2022. We're continuing in our limud, with our limud in Masechet Berachot. We're on Aleph in the wide lines, the widest lines, three lines down. Just a few words, five words onto the line. Uh, onto the line. Says the Gemara, Ve'amar barameh this statement has little, if nothing, to do with what preceded it, other than it's the same statement uh, with regards to the rabbis who are stating it. It's Rabbi Hiya Barameh in the name of Ula, who had made comments beforehand, which were more relevant to our discussions. And in turn, and we've seen a lot of this in the last several Amudim, the Gemara now presents several other statements, disjointed, not connected by anything other than the people who are stating them. Uh, and in turn, who they're stating them in the name of. What's the statement? Gadol yoter It's greater in a certain respect. Someone who uh, is nehene, who benefits and uh, enjoys that which was yegia kapo, uh, the handiwork of their own. In other words, their own efforts. They achieved that which they are now benefiting from. That's greater to some extent than a person who has yirat shamayim. Now that's a jarring statement. Before even the proof, you might recall, the Gemaran Davvavamudbet had for us the greatness of yirat shamayim. And the Gemara, if you recall, at the very bottom of Davvavamudbet, cited the Pasuk, Kizekol Ha'adam. It was in the context of yirat shamayim. The Pasuk said, if you, if, if, if you remember, Sur Mera, excuse me, not that Pasuk, Pasuk, Sof Davar Hakol Nishma, this is the entirety of humanity or of human beings. It was a reference to Elohim and you're going to do Shemirat HaMitzvot. The Gemara remarked and commented and elaborated on the significance of those words, that that's Kol HaAdam, the entire world was created for such a being. The entire world is there to, work, to, to service such a human being and so forth. I mean, Yerat Shamaim, we, Gemaran Vav Amudbet, notwithstanding, we very much know is at the bedrock and foundation of our relationship with the world, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the source of existence. How could there be such a statement that Gadol HaNehenem Yegiyah Kapo Yoter, that it's greater than Yerat Shamaim? What clearly is the case here in the Gemara is not so much that we're saying a person who's Nehenem Yegiyah Kapo without Yerat Shamaim. We're rather stating, if the person is to achieve, let's call it at the initial stages, Yerat Shamayim, while it being handed to them, their success in this world, it's greater for them to seek and to search the path, which might be more difficult and longer to Yerat Shamayim, while at the same time being their own self-achievement with regards to success in this world. So it's not subjecting Yerat Shamayim as second to Yegiyah Kapo, it's rather envisioning and understanding the direction that a person has is not per se Yerat Shamayim at the expense of Yegiyah Kapo. Maharsha, for example, in this context, quotes from the Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit and The Gemara over there describes how Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa lived a life of poverty. He didn't have much money. He had a request of heaven um, that he uh, be supplied with wealth, and he has miraculously this golden uh, leg of a table appear to him. 
he's able to then sustain his family and in a very comfortable way fix his financial state. He then has a harrowing and, and, and terrifying dream in which he's shown that in the uh, heavenly abode, and call it Olam Haba, everyone sits with tables that have three legs, but his table has only two legs. Uh, the description and the understanding then in the Gimarav, his reaction to that and his understanding is very similar to this. If it's not Yigiakapo, if it's not your own self-achievement, then to a certain extent you've diminished from who you are as a person. Your own Yirat Shamaim, your own relationship with God, has in some way been impinged and is insufficient and deficient. It's, uh, in my mind, it's uh, the, the, the core and the root of this sort of concept in the eyes of the Chachamim has a lot to do with what the Gemara and Masechet Sotan Daf Yodalid highlights for us, and that is to walk in the ways of God means to be middameh ourselves to Him. It means to mimic Him in our ways. Of course, God is self-sufficient. He needs nothing from others. He is in uh, no deficient state whatsoever. He's fully and completely shalem in all aspects of the word. In turn, we, in mimicking his ways, seek that instead of accepting aside from the shameful side of it, which might be as a result of a consequence of this as well. It's, it's in terms of essence, a person who has achieved and does achieve independent of being rewarded it uh, from the outside is a person who's more godlike than the other. That's the description here in the Gemara. What's the dirashah? With regards to a person who has that either innate or just yirat shamayim, the awe and fear of heaven, ketib, the pasuk says, ashre ish, yere et adonai. The pasuk praises such a person, praiseworthy, ashre such a person. However, that's in contrast, as opposed to a person who achieves through their own efforts, the Pasuk says, The Pasuk describes a person who's from their own efforts and, and, uh, and activity as not only not only praiseworthy, but tovlach. There's something good that comes to them. The dirashah of the Gemara, again, is in contrast to the Yireh Shamayim, which is just Ashreh, the Nehenem Yegiyah Kapo is Ashrecha V'tovlach. What does it mean, Ashrecha V'tovlach? Ashrecha Ba'olam Hazeh V'tovlach La'olam Haba. It's not only praiseworthy with regards to your activities, your efforts in this world, the story of Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, V'tovlach La'olam Haba, even your merit in the world to come, as that story portrays to us, as Mahasha makes clear is a so to speak an, an an essence with regards to who you are and consequences for such. Okay, says the It only says by it only says Ashre not Vetoblach. Says the Gemara onward Again, it's the same rabbi quoting in the name of the same rabbi statement, ultimately in the name of at all times. It's appropriate and praiseworthy for Yadur Adam Bimakom Rabo, that a person dwell in close proximity to their mentor, to their rabbi. Shekolzeman Shishimi ben Gera Kayam, because after all, the entire time that Shimi ben Gera, whom we envision as the mentor of sorts to Shilomo in some respect, any time that he was alive, Lonasa Shilomo et Bat Paro. Shilomo did not get married to Bat Paro. Rashi points out that the Pesukim juxtapose the death of Shimei to Vayit Haten Shilomo et Paro, to the, the marriage of Shilomo to Bat Paro. 
and that was a time of sinning, uh, ultimately speaking, potentially leading us to destruction of Mikdash, which of course is only then being built. Uh, the vision of the Gemara Masechet Shabbat and the uh, Nun Vav is that Bat Par'ol brings Shilomo to opening the gates of, so to speak, Avodah Zarah. Not that he's worshipping it per se, but it's entered into the nation through her activities, through her wrongful uh, perspectives and approaches. So while Shilomo had Shim'i ben Gera, we're envisioning it as he didn't have the audacity, he didn't have the goal to get married to uh, Batparo. After the death, well, look what happened. Continues the Gemara, Vehatanya. wait a second, we have a contradiction. The Beraita says, Al Yadur, a person should not dwell in close proximity in a close place, in a place that's close to their rabbi. La Kashya says the Gemara, there's no contradiction. These are talking about different situations. Hadikaifle, hadilakaifle. There's a difference between if the person is kafuf. Lichpof means to bend down. It's a question of whether a person is subservient is too strong, but a person is abiding and obedient to the words and direction of their mentor, their rabbi, or not. If they are, it's very appropriate that they be close, like Shilamon Shimei. Alternatively, if they wouldn't be, says Rashi, it's better that they not be living. If you're not going to be listening to him anyway, it's better that we consider you accidental because you didn't have the capacity to ask instead of purposeful because he was right there and you weren't asking or you weren't listening. A little difficult to apply this Gemara in today's day and age where a phone call and, or an email or a text is so easy and, 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 and apparent uh, that uh, the close proximity is to a certain extent at any place. Does that mean that you shouldn't be in an actual close proximity? Certainly not. I mean, if you're kafuf, as the Gemara says, there's something to be gleaned and to be learned from the person-to-person um, uh, relationship and encounters. However, to make the claim that since I'm not close, I'm shogig, is a little difficult in today's day and age because the information, even if it's not your teacher, even if it's not your rabbi, that's so apparent and so easy and accessible and makes it to a certain extent that to consider someone who's in the fold shogig, it's one thing if they were born out or they live outside of it entirely, but if they're somewhat in the fold and have access, we generally speaking have a hard time considering that shogig. Says the Gemara onward, Amar Avuna Bar Yehuda, Amar Bimenachem, Amar Bi'ameh. What does it mean when the Pasuk says, what's it hinting at? Adonai, those who b- abandon God, yichlu, they should be destroyed. Who's that referring to? Who abandons God? It's a person who leaves Sefer Torah, Bach adds in the words, when it's open and leaves. Uh, first the dirasha and then the understanding and implications. The dirasha Maharsha suggests goes from this the word in this pasuk ve'ozve. There's a famous pasuk in Sefer Yirmiyah in which the prophet describes how the reason the destruction of the people in the Mikdash is coming about is al ozvam et torati. That's the famous words of the Gemara Masech Nedarim al shelo birchu The destruction came about al ozvam et torati. So to speak, we didn't have the proper blessing, appreciation for Torah. That in turn, Ozve Hashem, Ozva Metorati, well, we link the two together, even though the Gemara doesn't explicitly say that, that's what Maharsha suggests. What's the concept then in terms of practicality? Well, it seems to be telling us quite clearly you're not allowed to leave while the Sefer Torah is open. You shouldn't be walking that show, walking out. That shows a lack of uh, respect for the Sefer Torah. Is that why you can't leave it alone at the Teba? 
even more so, that's why we wouldn't leave it for sure. It's along the same lines, you're leaving it patuah. But this is even, this is removed from that. It's, there's people at it, and you're walking out of the room. That, says the Gemara, really, at all circumstances? And under any situation, Rabbi Avahu nafik ben gavra le gavra. The Gemara says Rabbi Avahu found, of course, as necessary, the opportunity to walk out during the time of Kiryat Torah ben gavra le gavra, in between aliyot, between person and person. Uh, why is that more permitted? The reason that's more permitted is because under those circumstances, it's not showing the lack of respect. There's a break, there's a pause. I'm not walking out while it's open and being read from. Ba'erav papara, papa had the following question, dilemma, ben pesuka le pasuka, in between pesukim. I'm not in the middle of a statement. Would that be permitted? Mahu, what's the halakha? Says the Gemara Teku, the matter stands, we don't have an answer to that. Pause for a second. How would you walk out in between pesukim? Unless you have a Baal Kore who just really pauses and takes a few deep breaths. You're standing by the door, you're snapped out of there in that second. Rabbeinu Yonan, his commentary to the Gemara in the back, suggests that this is talking specifically during a time and place where they used to read after each pasuk the Targum. They used to read the Targum Unkulu. Still in Yemenite synagogues today they have it. So it's talking about during that time of Targum, which in turn means this question is not really relevant to us any longer in our Bete Knesiot. Well, we don't have that. Ben Pasuka le Pasuka would be inappropriate. Beyond that, says Rabbeinu Yonah, says even if you're in a place where they're reading the Targum, even if you're in a place where there is that the Gemara has a Teku, Rabbeinu Yonah suggests that in this situation of Teku, we would go le Humrah. Even though Kiryat Torah is not a mitzvah min ha-Torah, so maybe we should go le Kula, Safek is le Kula, some of the Mefarshim on Rosh and elsewhere debate this matter, and they suggest maybe when it comes to Divre Nevi'im, and we envision Kiryat Torah as a Takanave Ezra, somehow having the power of prophecy, maybe over there as well, Bimakom Safek, you go the Humrah, which means to say again, for our purposes, as the Torah is being read, of course, barring cases of emergency, it's inappropriate to walk out unless it's in between Aliyot. Continues the Gemara, and it says, Rav Sheshat, Mehader Apeh Vegaris. During the time of the Kiriyah, Rav Sheshat would Mehader, he would turn Apeh his face, Vegaris, Milashon Girsan, he would study Torah, he would learn Torah. During while, the, while it was being read. While it was being read. Says the Gemara, what did he express? What did he say? Amar, he said about himself, Anan Bididan, we are dealing with our issues, Vinhu, and they, meaning the Korim Torah, the congregation, Biditu, on their matters. That's somewhat mysterious. What's he expressing? Why was this permitted? Of course, he's not walking out of the room, but he's turning his face away and he's not listening to the Torah. Tosafot raises something similar in terms of question with the um, with their introduction of Gemara and Masechet Sotan Daf Lametet. Tosafot at the top left hand corner says Ve'im Tomar Ve'ha Amrinan Besota the Gemara Masechet Sota is Doresh a pasuk in Nehemiah May Dichtiv. What does it mean when the pasuk in Nehemiah tells us Uchfitho Amedu Kol Ha'am Kevan Shiniftach Sefer Torah. The Gemara over there says that the Derashah, from its opening, they all stood silently, teaches us that from the time the Sefer Torah is open, even in Dvar Halakha, even in Torah matters, you're not allowed to be discussing, you're not allowed to be talking. How is it permitted then 
How did Rav Sheshat even see it appropriate for himself to be studying Torah while the Sefer Torah is open and being read from? So Tosafot suggests several answers. The first is, V'yesh lo marhatam ayere bekol ram, k'deshi lo yivatelu kol kiryata Torah v'hacha ayere benachat. The difference between these two Gemarot is in Masechet Sotah, it's referring to where it's being read at the same time that someone is talking out loud. We all know this experience, even if it's Torah, even if it's the most important issue. If someone's talking loudly next to you, it's Mivatel the Kiriyah. It takes your concentration, takes the congregation's concentration, makes even the, the Baal Koreh or the Oleh concentration off of the Kiriyah. That's what's inappropriate. If... It's benachat. If it's silently, as Rav Sheshat was doing in his girsan, his limud, that's permitted. It continues Tosafot. Why did he turn his face if all it needed to be was silent? Rivuta mashma. There's a hidush. Even though he was turning his face, it appeared as if Rav Sheshat, by turning his face, it was almost as if he was walking out of the room. It's still okay. There's no problem. So why is it that he turned his face? So that he'd have the proper kavana in his limud. Okay, so the first approach then of Tosafot is Rav Sheshat. Method and mode applicable to you and me according to this approach is that if during the Kiriyah we're studying silently on our own, that's permitted. There's no problem of respect to the Sefer. The Rav Alfas, Tosafot now quotes from Rif, Second answer of is it's only if there are ten in the room, great question. It's only if there are ten in the room, in that circumstance you could study to yourself. If there are less than ten, or there's only ten together with you, you need to be a part of it for the kiriyah. If there's more than ten, you ask, so then maybe you could walk out as well. Apparently there are levels with regards to disrespect. In other words, the understanding is that if there's more than ten and you're studying Torah, it's not an abomination per se to the kiriyah. If you're walking out in the middle, it's different than just turning your face and studying. That's But it's not ideal to study. Still, in this According case. to this approach, it appears as if it's not ideal. The first approach of Tosafot, I wouldn't argue that. The second approach, certainly so. The last approach is the strongest. Continues Tosafot, Rif in Masech and Megillah gives a third approach. Shane Rav Sheshat, Rav Sheshat was particularly and specifically different. Because his Torah was his umanut, which means to say his life was Torah to the extent that, and our, the, the, the Rishonim write explicitly, we don't have such a concept any longer, but a person who is Torah to umanuto, a person who's, uh, who's, whose whole life and essence is that of Torah, uh, we have certain exceptions with regards to their appropriate Gemara Masechet Shabbat in the first chapter talks about uh, stopping for Amida while studying Torah. If Torah to Manuto, there might be a difference, not for Kiryat Shema, but for Amida. Uh, ben Azai has a statement beyond just Torah to Manuto uh, about getting married. There are circumstances and situations when, again, in a way that's not relevant to us any longer, when a person is Torah to Manuto, we say it's not inappropriate what they're doing. Their Torah is their essence. So as a result, if that is his essence, it's not an abomination. It's not inappropriate to the Sefer Torah, because after all, everybody knows, and that's indeed what the person's doing, completely engrossed in the limud. And as a result, uh, says, says Tosafot in concluding, either Rif or Tosafot as well, or just Tosafot say that that last answer 
is the strongest answer. The Bach adds in the word vikatav, and uh, Rif himself sides with that answer, which means to say that this is only relevant to Rav Sheshat. Interestingly, those words of Rav Sheshat, when he explained why he was doing what he was doing, were anan bididan, we're doing our thing, v'inu and they biditu, what they're doing their thing. According to this last approach, it's very easily understood. He's saying, me and my like of Torah to Manuto, this is permitted. They, meaning the common folk, everyone else, it's not permitted. If you go with the first approach of Tosafot as well, it might be anan bididan, since I'm doing it quietly, I'm separate from them, I'm not involving and messing it up, inhu, but those who are involved in the kiriah, bididu, should of course be silent. Says the Gemara onward, amar avuna bar Yehuda, amar ribi amen. Now that we're talking about appropriate engagement and listening to the kiriah, let's understand the um, the peripheral or the side matters with regards to kiriah Torah. It's not only during the time of the kiriah that we're uh, supposed to be obedient to the words and to the appropriateness and, and respect of the kiriah, but even before. How so? The statement is, At all times, a person should make certain to be mashlim, to complete parshiotav, the parasha of that week. Two times reading the pesukim, that's what we call mikra. Ehad targum sounds like it's a reference to the targum of Unkelus. That's the standard um, reference to who a targum is. Of course, in most standard humashim, not all, most standard humashim, you have this commentary called Unkelus. It's not a commentary as much as it's a translation with a commentary. And Unkelus, the Gemara, in several places, but most notably Masechet Megillah, Daf Gimal, describes was a ger, he was a convert. He came from an interesting lineage, different approaches in the words of the Hachamim. But ultimately speaking, he wrote a Targum to the Torah. The Gemara goes so far as to state elsewhere that this was given Besinai, so to speak. The potential for this this uh, translation was Besinai. We very much steadfast hold hold near and dear the commentary of Unkelus to the Torah. I personally, anytime I'm learning homash or teaching homash, when there's a word that I'm looking to translate, the first place that I instruct and personally look to look is in Unkelus. Unkelus's perspective oftentimes will be just very clarifying. He'll give you a different understanding beyond Harambam in the More in one or two places praises the approach of Unkelus very much so. Well, that being the case, the statement then is, and we'll have to figure out, does it only mean Unkelus? Does it mean any other commentary, a person should, sounds like before the Kiriyah, or in tandem with the Kiriyah, not only hear it in the knees, but have some sort of two-time reading. The Afilu, and even continues the Gemara, lots of questions with regards to specifics, but Afilu, Atarot Vidivon, and even a Pasuk, which refers to something like Atarot Vidivon. What is Atarot Vidivon? Atarot Vidivon, if you look on the side, it's a Pasuk in Bemidbar Perek Lamed Bet. It's a Pasuk that just has the names of many places. Atarot Vidivon, V'yazer, V'nimra, V'hashbon, V'el'alev, U'sevam, U'nevo, U'v'on. What are you going to do over there? Explains uh, Rashi effectively. Tosafot elaborates on the commentary of Rashi. In such a circumstance, you would read the commentary as well. But the commentary is just reiterating the Pasuk. Pasuk says the names of places. The commentary is just going to reiterate the... That's right, you're supposed to read that Pasuk three times. 
two times for the Shanaim Mikra. And the third, that's the Hidush Afilu Atarot Bedivon. And first, before we get to more of the specifics, Shekol HaMashlim Parshiotav Im HaSibur, any person who completes the parasha that week with the congregation, Ma'arichin Lo Yamav Ushnotav, he'll have any elongated Yamin, days, Ushnotav, and years. What does it mean, days and years? Well, it is a pasuk at the end of Sefer Devarim, and Perek Lamed, Kihi Hayecha Ve'orech Yamecha Al Ha'adama, and so forth. But what does it mean, uh, one of the uh, commentaries to Rosh I saw as I was preparing in, uh, in Ma'adane Yom Tov, he suggests that the difference between Yamim and Shanim is Yamim describes the quality, and Shanim explain, explain, refers to the uh, length. So Yamav means you'll have good days. Shinotav means you'll have long. In other words, you'll have a long life. Either way, you slice it, the Gemara is expressing the necessity, the importance of doing what we call Shinaim Mikra Ve'ehatargum. Why is it that you're going to have a long life if you do Shinaim Mikra Ve'ehatargum? According to my understanding, I'm sure, I'm certain there are many interpretations. I think the most, for me, the most relevant interpretation is when a person is, is tapped into that reality, that this is who I am. I'm defining my week leading up to the Kiriyah as this is what I'm doing. I'm spending my time preparing for that kiriyah that shows a certain source of importance in their eyes. That shows this is who I am. I am the person who defines my week and my pre- as preparing for what's going to be done on Shabbat. What are you going to do? I'm going to read from Torah. Torah then is tapping into the source of existence itself. That's the description of Ma'arichin lo yamav ushnotav. Before the Gemara gets into further details, let's pause for a few moments to read some of the Tosafot, reflect upon the way the Mefarshim and Poskim deal with it. First and foremost, on Davchet Amud Aleph, Tosafot Dibura Matchil Shenaim Bikrave Targum. Says Tosafot, Yesh Mefarshim, there are those who suggest and interpret this Gemara, who adin la lo'azot bela'az shelahen, have kemo targum she mefaresh lif'amin. Perhaps, when the Gemara says Targum, it need not mean Targum Unculus. It means any language for whatever language you speak. You read the Pasuk, and then you read the translation. English, French, Spanish, Turkish, Greek, or Latin, or any other language. Because after all, the purpose of the Targum is to explain for once upon a time, the ignoramuses, the people who didn't know, they would read Targum, that was the spoken language, that was the laz, that was the vernacular. So too, in today's analog, if you're French or Turkish or Spanish, you read it in that language. Says Tosafot Velonihira, but that doesn't seem clear. Why not? This is because you find in Targum that it sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, interprets and explains things that you wouldn't have just from a plain reading of the text. They cite from the Gemara in Masechet Megillan of Gimal, where Rav Yosef exclaims about a pasuk in, uh, outside of Hamisha Hamshet, if it were not for the Targum, the Unkulus on this pasuk, the Peshat could not and would not suffice in interpreting. Which means that it's not just a mere translation. At times, it injects even an interpretation which you wouldn't have. Alken, therefore, says Tosafot, en lomar bishum lashon pa'am shilishit ki'im belashon targum. Tosafot seems steadfast in suggesting it would only be targum unkulus for your third time, meaning your ehad targum. 
How is this nifsak lahalacha? Without getting into all the details, I'll read to you a little bit from Shulchan Aruch in Ora Chaim Siman Resh Pehe in uh, Sa'if uh, Bet. Says, uh, says Shulchan Aruch, Im Lamad, if a person learned, Shanaim Mikra HaParasha Beferush Rashi, with the Perush of Rashi. In this, right now, Shulchan Aruch is really quoting from Rosh, who of course is found in the back of the Gemara. Hashuv, that's considered Kemot Targum. Rashi, is parallel to Targum. Vi'ireshamayim, however, a person who's God-fearing, this is Maran on his own explaining this, Yikra should ideally read Targum Vigam Perush Rashi. Not only Rashi, not only Targum, but both Targum and Perush Rashi. In this Mishnah Berurah, the Ish Masliach Mishnah Berurah, they cite in turn from Kafa Hayim, Rabbi Yaakov Hayim Sofer, who in turn quotes from the Mekubalim that there's something particular and unique and, and specific about the Perush of the Targum of Unkelus, that that's the ideal commentary. Now, a person has to appropriately assess their circumstance. If they're going to read Targum Unkulus and be gaining and gleaning nothing from just reading those words, as opposed to if they're reading Rashi, they're going to understand something at a greater depth. There's no question, this is not a question of Mikubalim versus anyone else, that Perush Rashi is ideal. Of course, if they could read both, that's Hinematuv uh, Manaim. However, and today, there are more and more, there's even an art scroll, I've, I've been shown recently, an art scroll edition of Targum Unkulus. There's several Perushim on Targum Unkulus. To learn Unkulus, who again was one of the Tanaim, I mean, you're dealing with uh, 1,200 years before Rashi, in terms of our Masoret, that's very significant. Uh, that's that's an ideal that uh, I think many of us should be striving toward. Does it mean you haven't fulfilled this dictum of the rabbis if you're not doing with Targum Unkulus? As we've made clear from Rosh, you certainly are. Tosafot might, although they don't commit themselves to that, might disagree. See, Tosafot leaves it somewhat open, because Tosafot, on the one hand, tells you if you just read the vernacular, the English, the Turkish, the Spanish, that would be insufficient, because it's not a commentary. Rashi, in contrast, is a commentary, much like, even though it's not the same, Unkelus, as a result, it stands to reason that Tosafot could agree with this as well. Uh, what is the standard practice? I think there's different practices. I know certainly when I studied in yeshiva for many years, everyone was very diligent with regards to trying to fulfill both. You'd see boys sitting and doing unkulus and then reading the Rashi afterwards. It's very time-consuming. It's not simple. I oftentimes tell the, uh, the lay people who are s- setting out and doing this to start with Rashi. Rashi, with a, even if it's in, with an English uh, translation, that gives you a lot of the Yisodot. It certainly is a fulfillment of this. It's going to be a lot more fulfilling than the intricacies in Unkulus, even if you're reading the commentary on the commentary. That's with regards to that matter. What about with regards to the words in the Gemara that Shenai Mikrave Had Targum is even on Atarot Vidivon? Remember, that was the statement. Even on those places. Those are places in the lands, those are the Edomites' lands. Even that. Why those? Well, asks Tosafot. Well, let's read Tosafot. Piresh Rashi. They begin by quoting from Rashi. Afilu atarot v'divon she'en bo targum she'tzarich likroto shalosh pe'amim be'ivri. Tosafot says from Rashi, as we mentioned when we explained the Gemara, that that's a pasuk which has no commentary. You should nonetheless, parenthetically, as Rosh points out, we happen to have a targum unkulus, which is a little bit off of those words. But, says Tosafot, we just have those words in the Peru, in the pasuk, and as a result, you have to read that pasuk three times. That's the novelty, that's the hidush of the Gemara, the kashe. Ask Tosafot, Amay nakat atarot v'divon, shiyesh lo mikom makom targum Yerushalmi. 
Tosafot asks, there's another Targum, it's known as Targum Yerushalmi, some people call it Yonatan ben Uziel, there's another commentary called Targum, also written not in, not in Hebrew, but in Aramaic style, more Israeli Aramaic of the time, and there is Targum Yerushalmi, which has a commentary on this Pasuk. Why choose when the Gemara presents to us this Pasuk of Atarot Vedivon, that Pasuk, why didn't we instead take a Pasuk which has no commentary in any Targum, not in Unkulus, and not even in what we call Targum Yerushalmi. You understand what I'm saying? There's another Targum in like a, many of the standard Mikraot Gedolot, not the Torah Chaim, but Mikraot Gedolot Chumashim. They have not only the Unkulus, but on the side they have what's called Targum Yerushalmi or Targum Yonatan ben Uziel. Says Tosafot, Hayaloloma, why didn't it quote the Pasuk from the beginning of Sefer Shemot? Reuven, Veshimon, O Pasuk, Pesuka, Harina, Sheinbo Targum Kelal. Pesukim that describe who went down into Egypt. Just names. Any Targum, it's just names. There's no t- commentary on there. There's nothing to interpret other than the names over there. Why do you take Atarot Vidivon, which A, I'm adding in, is the lands of Edom. Okay, I mean, you mentioned Reuven, Shimon, it's nicer. But secondly, it has its own Targum. Why do you mention that one, even though it doesn't have Targum Unklos? V'yesh lomar, mishum nakat Atarot Vidivon afakav, she'en bo Targum yadua. The suggestion of Tosafot explained, uh, according to the lines of Marsha, is that Atarot Vidivon, unlike Rashi, are specific. If it's a Pasuk that doesn't have a Targum Unklus, but does have a Targum Yerushalmi, you should be doing that with Targum. Which Targum? You should divert from Targum Unkulus into Targum Yerushalmi. You want to find, effectively, the principle of Tosafot in any Pasuk, the opportunity to find a Targum for it. So we mentioned the Atarot video. Shimon, Reuven, Shimon has no common, no Targum. This one has one. It's not Targum Unkulus. You should still be learning that. Says Shohan Aruch in Siman Resh Pehe Sa'if Aleph, Afal Pisha Adam Shomea Kola Torah Kula. Kol Shabbat Basibor, even though you hear the Kiriyah, we hope, in Knis every Shabbat, Hayav Likrot Le'atzmo Bechol Shavua Parashat, Oto HaShavua Shenai Mikra Ve'had Targum, Afilu concludes Shohan Aruch, we know what words are common, Atarot Vedivon, even those words Atarot Vedivon, he doesn't really commit himself to the commentary of Rashi, or to Tosafot, says Mishnah Berura, Rosonolomar, why is he quoting Atarot Vedivon? Afapishen bo Targum, even though there's no Targum. Vehu Adin Reuven Shimon Vechayotze Bezet Sarich Likroto Shalosh Pe'amim. He's citing the commentary initially of Rashi. You need to read it three times, that's the Hidush. Now he concludes with the commentary of Tosafot. You'll appreciate Mishnah Berura. Now, Vyesh Mahmirin, Debatarot Vedivon, Shiesh Batargum Yerushalmi, Sarich Likrot Sham Hatargum. There are some who suggest that since you have a Targum Yerushalmi, you'd need to read the other commentary on that. You see, that opens up, and there's much conversation and debates about this. You know, if you're learning with Targum, with Perush Rashi, what happens in a Pasuk that doesn't have a Perush Rashi? What must you do over there? Do you need to learn the Unkulus in that situation? Do you need to find another commentary? This is a sort of debate that's opened up. Of course, it's going to be a Mahlok between Rashi and Tosafot, HaMachmir, Tavu Alaf Beracha, of course, but we're not dealing with a Mitzvah Min HaTorah per se. Uh, so we should all, again, not suffice, we should all at the very least begin with reading every Rashi on the parasha. Continues the Gemara, let's just read a little bit more in this com- in this conversation about Shenai Mikra Had Targum, tells the Gemara a bit about Rav Bebai Bar Abaye. It says the Gemara, Rav Bebai Bar, ba- Rav Bebai bar Abaye, Savar le'ashluminhu leparshayata dekula shata b'ma'ale yonah dekipureh. 
Rabbi Bar Abaye thought to finish the entire Kiryav, the entire year. Maybe that was the only time he had respite and everybody was busy preparing for the day. He thought, I'll finally, I'll just sit that day, go through the whole Torah, Shenai Mikra, Targum. There's a different version, if you look at that, at least in my Gemara, a little bit, it leads you to the side Masori Tashas. The different Girsa in the Gemara is, instead of having of Kula Shata, it was Kulhu Parshayata de Kala. It was all the Parashot of Kala. You see, what used to happen in the time of the Gemara was during the month of Elul and during the month of Adar, many of the lay people used to gather and they'd have public discourses and classes on the laws of the upcoming holidays. Elul, of course, before all the holidays of Tishrei. Adar, of course, before Pesach and the like. And that was a time during which the vision seems to be over here and elsewhere the rabbis were at their hardest work. They had to give constant and, and, and hard, you know, fought for classes to the lay people. So it's you're dealing with eight weeks then. Eight weeks of parashot ki ilur of Rabbi saying about himself, those eight weeks, I'm not able to focus on Shenai Mikra Ve'chadtagum. I don't have peace of mind. I'm busy teaching the people. That's specifically what he wanted to finish on Eid of Kippur, not all the parashot of the Torah, but rather those eight specific ones. For our purposes, either way you slice it, he wanted to make up mist parchiot. That was his vision. I'm not going to do it for the week. Now keep in mind, if the vision of Shenai Mikra Ve'chadtagum is to prepare for the Kiryan Shabbat, he's not really going to be fulfilling Call it the Sibata Davar. But okay, he wanted to fulfill the Takanab the Hachamim nonetheless. In truth, why it is Shnai Mikrave Hatargum is debated as well. There's one suggestion that the reason Shnai Mikrave Hatargum is it's mimicking the way it's done in Knis. There's two people up at the Sefer, one at the side and one who's reading, Matapu Amodi Madi, you have to have two people. And furthermore, once upon a time, you had a Metargem, you had a person who was translating all the Pesukim. So we are playing the role of the public Kiryah. Alternatively, it's the way the Torah was given. The Torah was given at Sinai. It was repeated in Arvot Moab, and then it was Ba'ir Hetev, excuse me, Ohel Moed, and then it was Ba'ir Hetev, and then it was interpreted by Moshe. So that's kind of what we're replaying in our Shanaim Mikra Ve'chatagum. So you already understand his vision, his understanding, well, maybe I'll make it all up. It's kind of defying the purpose of this. And in truth, the Gemara has a response to him. So again, this is what he wanted to do. Tanale. Hiyabar Rav Midifti, the initial response to him is, well, wait a second, we have a derasha with regards to what you're actually supposed to be doing on the Eid of Kippur. I don't like this idea. It's not so much that you're pushing off uh, the Shnai Mikra Ve'chad Targum, it's when you're pushing to Eid of Kippur, you're supposed to be involved in other things on Eid of Kippur. There's a mitzvah to be, full, mitzvah to be fulfilled on Eid of Kippur. Erev Kippur, Kippur I have mitzvah, no Eid of Kippur. The Pasuk says, Ketiv ve'initem et nafshotechem. The Pasuk says that you should afflict your souls, let's translate it, on the ninth of the month, of course, Tishrei, this is Kippur, in the evening. What do you mean the ninth in the evening? The Inui takes place on the ninth? Vahalo, everybody knows Kippur is on the tenth. Vahalo, ba'asara mit'annin. It's to teach you that any person who eats and drinks on the ninth, meaning in preparation, on the day before Kippur, it's as if the Torah is telling you you fasted both on the ninth and the tenth. Effectively, the response to 
Um, as you want to do that in Erev Kippur, you're supposed to be involved in eating, in preparing for Kippur. What's the idea of this mitzvah? Again, the mitzvah is, why does the Torah say you're going to do it on the 9th? It should say on the 10th. It's to tell you if you indulge on the 9th, it's as if you fasted both on the 9th and the 10th. There happens to be a tremendous mahlokit about the reason for eating on Erev Kippur. Either it's to add to your affliction, to make the day more difficult, you filled yourself up, now it's harder to fast. Alternatively, it's to fill yourself so you have an easier fast, opposite extremes in terms of understanding this. And then the Hasidic, the spiritual reason for this is, well, you're not going to be able to eat on Kippur, but we want to get into a day in which we're able to manifest our Avodat Hashem, not only through the spiritual, but from the physical as well. So I eat beforehand, and I attach that to my day of Kippur. All right, but that being the case, that's what you're going to do in the aid of Kippur. But you didn't really address the issue. It was only the issue of the timing that was problematic. Parenthetically, what's with the Dirashah? The Dirashah is that because it, it says in the ninth in the evening, you know where else it says something like that? It says in the Torah, on the 14th in the evening, you're going to eat Masot. Uh, does that mean that uh, if I do something on Erev Pesach of Nisan, uh, I'm going to be fulfilled as if I did it on both the 14th and the 15th? Tosafot asks this question. Tosafot says, over there, uh, the Pasuk first says, Ba'erev, and then it says, Tochidu Matzot. Over here it says, Te'anu, the Inui, and then it says, Ba'erev, uh, which means to say it's almost as if you're doing that activity beforehand. That's the source of this derasha. Okay, well, that being the case, uh, so now Rabbi Barabaya understands he can't do it on eight of Kippur, but he still either is making up eight weeks or making up the whole year of Parashot. Savar, he decided, he thought, Lakduminu, I'll do it earlier. Okay, I can't do it on Kippur. I'll do it some earlier time. Tanina. There was an elderly man who said to him, we learned in Beraita, It's important that the Shanaim Mikrave had Targum Marichin Lo Yamavu Shnotav, specifically, that you don't do it earlier and you don't do it later. Im Hasibur. You do it the week preceding the Kiriyah. It's similar to Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's instruction to his children, among other things. He said to them, Make certain that you finish with the Sibur. Tosafot, on the right hand side, Yashlim Parshiotavim Hasibur, points out that you can begin Shenai Mikra for the next week, already after Minha and Shabbat. Even though the Gemara elsewhere, with regards to making up, finishing Havdalah, making up Havdalah, or Gitin, writing the week in the divorce document, talks about Wednesday, the middle of the week, being relevant to the coming week as opposed to before and to the previous week. On this matter, after Minha is appropriate. Tosafot furthermore quotes from the Midrash that Ribi used to tell his household make certain that you finish Shenai Mikra before eating. Says Tosafot, does that mean not after eating? No, it means Ribi instructed his household that ideally you do it before eating uh, during the morning on Shabbat as opposed to after eating. What's the Halakha Ma'aseh? Does that mean that I shouldn't make it up? Even I know I missed the opportunity, I ate and the day and past been hot, so lost opportunity. So Hanaruch here again in Siman Resh Pehe writes the following in Saif He Yacholi Krota Parasha Shinai Mikrave Hatagum. Excuse me, not that one. Uh, in Saif Dalit, it says Mitzvah Minamuvhar, the ideal, best approach. That's what we said, Tosafot quotes from the Midrash. Before eating, vim lo hishlim kodem achila. You didn't finish before eating. Yashlim achar achila ad 
a mincha until mincha of that day, because then you kind of vision into the next week. Why is there a vision into the next week? The Kiriyah begins for the next week, of course, in mincha. There are those who say you have until the Wednesday of the next week. Which again, as we mentioned in the context of other halachot for Havdalah, for example, for Gitin, you have until V'yesh Omrim. And the last opinion of his, uh, says Shohan Aruch is Ad Shemini Aseret. Explains Ramah, we don't mean Shemini Aseret per se, we mean Simchat Torah, when you conclude the Torah with, with the Sibur. Explains here Kafa Hayim, aside of Mish Masliach. What does it mean Shemini Aseret? Is there Simchat Torah? Can I be doing it the whole day? No, it's until you finish the Torah, meaning in the morning. Believe it or not, I've been asked this question. We finished the Kiryat Simchat Torah morning, and someone, more twice, I remember this question being posed, do I still have an opportunity? I said to them, according to Kafa Hayim, you missed your opportunity. The idea is, at the very least, I tapped into some part and parcel, some part of the Kiryat of the congregation, of the nation, of, but it, it ain't. We finished. We already started Bereshit for the coming year. Instead of envisioning it as a weekly thing, that last opinion is suggesting, you're seeing it as a yearly thing, and your year in terms of Kiryah has ended. Uh, that uh, concludes for our purposes this uh, conversation in the Gemara about Shenai Mikrave Hatargum. Let's just read a few more lines here. It's off the topic because once the Gemara quoted Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi as telling his children to finish Shenai Mikrave Hatargum before, uh, so he told them a few other things. Among the other things he told them are, well, let's read two of them. And he told them that when you slaughter um, um, uh, off as birds, you should make certain that you slaughter as well the veins on the bird, because by slaughtering the vein before being sole, says Rashi, before you, um, not fry, but rather roast the uh, bird, uh, you want to make certain that the bird's blood is drained from it. The easiest way, although not necessary, you need to, you need to really be shohet, the two simanim, the kane and the veshet, the trachea and the esophagus, but it's important as well, ideally, when it comes to slaughtering a bird, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi is telling ideal practices to his children. Ideally, shenai mikra before the sibur, reads it on Shabbat. Ideally, slaughter with birds in this fashion, the the varidin, the, um, the veins, so that you drain the blood. And lastly, he instructed them, you should be careful, you should be careful to continue respecting and honoring a, a, a elderly person. And we only say elderly because that's generally speaking when this would occur, that they forgot their limud. But it means any person who had studied Torah and mehamat onso, says Rashi, either because of age and uh, and mind capacity or alternatively because of tirdat hachayim, because they get involved in business and as a result it distracts them. But if they didn't do it purposefully, in other words, they didn't scoff and uh, try to forget the Torah. They tried to remember the Torah, they just forgot it. You should still have a zehirut. What's the dirashat da amrinan? After all, the statement is elsewhere. Both the luchot and the shattered luchot were both were, were in the aron. So as Rashi, where did we learn that? Masech menachot from Asheshibarta v'samtam ba'aron. Pasuk says uh, the, the, the tablets which you broke, and then right afterwards talks about placing in the aron. The derasha of the rabbis is not only were the second set of luchot in the aron and the encased in the aron, but the first set, those which were shattered as well. The analogy then in our Gemara is the person who remembers the Torah is the one who's the 
luchot, the person who forgot the Torah, is the shivrei luchot. Why would God instruct that even the broken, shattered tablets of, of Ma'amad Harsinai be in the Aaron, unless it's telling you they have a significance in and of themselves? Two quick points. Number one, why is it that shattered uh, luchot represent a zaken shashachach tamudo? Some suggest based on the Gemara and Masechet Eruvin and Dafnundalit. The Gemara over there says, Ilmaleh, had it not been that the luchot were shattered, we never would have forgotten Torah. That statement in turn is very significant, Tobia. It's a great analogy. Whatever it means, it's a longer conversation, but it means the complete luchot designate and remind us of retention and remembering of the Torah. Secondly, what's the lesson to be gleaned from this? And the lesson and I think it's very significant and we'll conclude our limud for this morning with this lesson and that is Torah we oftentimes have this inability to realize it's not only about knowing a lot sometimes you turn to a professor you turn to a knowledgeable person and you say I respect them because they know so much Torah is not per se the knowledge that brings the respect. It's the personality that was created because of it. The study of the Torah has a way of refining us to the extent that if it's a zaken shishachach talmudo, I doesn't remember it, but look at him. Realize this is a person whose essence was changed by Torah. So he might not remember the particulars. He might not have what's known as yedi'ata Torah, but the effects of limuta Torah. The effects of who he is, his perspective on life, even his advice about life, even if it's not per se with being able to tell you which siman in Sa'if and Shohan Aruch, which, which daf in the Gemara, it's an advice which has to a certain extent a ta'am ha-Torah, a Torah. It's a person who has tapped themselves in if they've effectively, emotionally and experientially gone through limut ha-Torah, they're a changed person. That's the idea of shivrei luchot being significant to the extent that the respect, the honor is owed to the person who's even a zakin she shachach tamudo baruch Adonai le'olam, amen, amen.